Take your Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we'll start here this morning in John 6, and then we're going to move in just a little bit. But I want to continue in our study through the book of John Sunday mornings and the next section we come to in John chapter 6 is verses 15 to 21. So you follow along with me as I read John chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship And went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. In this context here, we see that Jesus comes to his disciples walking on water. And we could preach this passage many different ways, focusing on the different and various uh, angles that we might pull from this passage. We could preach uh, on Christ's power out of this passage. He walked on water, something impossible to do Another of the Gospels states that Jesus was up in the mountain alone and praying, but yet he saw his disciples toiling and rowing uh, in in fear. And we could preach on the omniscience of, of Jesus Christ, how he knows all things. We could preach on the significance of Christ walking on the stormy seas, and we could make application demonstrating how God is always above circumstances. No matter how stormy life can be, God is always above that. We could preach on that. We could focus in on a number of different things brought out in this passage. But today, I want to take a little bit different approach to this story because there's a lot that happened inside of this context that John does not record. John focuses in on Jesus Christ here, certainly, but there are other uh, parallel accounts of this same happening uh, that give us some more insight. And what I'd like to do this morning is, is make some applications to the human side of this story. And I want to make some applications towards missions as well. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14, please. Matthew chapter 14. And again, we make application toward missions because we're gearing up and leading to our missions conference and We want our hearts and our minds already engaged and tuned uh, for what the Lord would have for us. And in Matthew chapter 28, we find the parallel account here, uh, Matthew recording this. And look in verse 28 with me, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 28 and following. And Peter answered him, let's go back actually a little bit farther, go back to verse 22, we'll get the whole Context And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship 
and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. Now, what's happened right before this is Jesus has fed the 5,000, okay? And plus women and children, 20 plus thousand people probably. Jesus works an amazing miracle here. And straightway, right after that, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was, was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. I want to speak to you this morning on this thought, this subject, a supernatural walk. A supernatural walk. Let's pray, and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use your word today, or challenge us from it, that we might be profitable servants of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to see in this story here this morning Peter's faith, but from a different perspective or a different angle than you might think. And I want to make some spiritual applications, some applications towards missions uh, as well, and really ties into the thoughts even of this morning. We, we can know doctrine, we can know truth, we can know the meanings of words, we can do all of those things, but there needs to be a practical application to all of that. How does that play out in my actual service to Christ? And we can, we can listen. Uh, Jesus said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That implies to us that we have to believe and trust Jesus, and we need to operate in the faith that he actually will do what he said he would do. And so we're going to talk about faith this morning. And we talk a big talk when it comes to living by faith. That's what the Christian life is supposed to be about. Amen, right? We live by faith, right? It's impossible to please God without faith. That's what we're supposed to do is live by faith. Well, I think we talk a big talk when it comes to living by faith. And I want to use this story, this, this, this passage this morning in Matthew 28 to highlight Peter's faith, but also the fact that Jesus said that he had little faith. And we'll bring some of these things out in this story. The first thing that I want you to notice with me, though, is in verse 28. And I want you to notice Peter's bold request here. Verse 28 
he said, or verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. All right, so I want you to imagine with me this picture here. The disciples are sent over to Capernaum, and they're crossing over the sea, and the storm rises up, and the sea and the wind are blowing boisterously, and it's tossing their ship about. This is a, this is a real storm. This is a real ship. This is not, you know, some life raft. It's not a 12-foot John boat uh, that's on the water here. This is a fishing vessel. It's a real ship, and the storm is causing such problems that, that they're rowing and toiling, and the waves are tossing this ship about. You got the picture? And here Jesus comes walking to his disciples on the water. A miracle, something impossible to do, humanly, right? And the disciples knew that, and so what they're seeing, they can't hardly fathom, and so they think, it's a spirit. And immediately Jesus cries out and says, no, it's, it's I, be not afraid. It's I, be not afraid. I'm the one doing the impossible, it's really me, be not afraid. And so Peter says, all right, if it's really you, Lord, bid me come unto you on the water. Here is a human who is asking the Lord to do something for him or enable him to do something that is completely impossible to do. He says, if it's really you, bid me come. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, what? Wait, what? imagining what the other disciples probably looked like as soon as they heard Peter say that. They're like, wait, what? Have you thought this through, Peter? You know, there's a, there's a, that's the water, right? You know that, that, that you're going to sink and you're going to drown, right? You, did you think this through, Peter? You know, Peter, you've always been pretty impetuous. I don't think that this is a great idea. You can just imagine the thoughts that were running through the other disciples' minds as soon as they heard Peter ask that question. But let me say this before I make the application. I really wonder what it was that motivated Peter to ask that request. Was it pride on Peter's part? I'll show my other fellow disciples up. Was it something different than that? Was it maybe the fact that Peter just loved the Lord and he wanted to be where Christ was? I don't know, but I do know this. I know that none of the other disciples asked that request, and none of the other disciples went with him when he got out of the boat and actually walked on water. But let me make this application here. Does or would our love for Christ constrain us to make such a request as this? Maybe not necessarily walk, physically walking on water, but to ask the Lord because of my love for Christ, would it constrain me to ask the impossible of Him? Do we seek the privilege of walking where Christ walks? 
even when human wisdom and fleshly reason cannot find footing there. Listen, we, we get hung up on things in our minds that just don't seem possible to do, and so we never really consider doing them, or we never really consider asking the Lord for the ability to do it. The Great Commission is an impossible thing. Preaching the gospel to every creature is an impossible thing for men to do. Listen, listen, I've been not necessarily mocked or made fun of, but certainly had this look given to me when, when I talk about, listen, we need, we, need to ha- we need to be preaching the gospel to every creature. That includes the natives of Alaska. And we need to have a vision to re- reach them. And people are like, well, okay. And maybe even some people here. Because it's not the ministry that you would want, or it's not uh, an idea in your mind that seems feasible or possible. You don't really get behind it, and don't really pray about it, and really ask the Lord to do something that's impossible to do. Just, hmm. okay. Pastor's ministry. Pastor's vision. We get hung up on things in our minds. And we can talk a lot of truth and we can speak a whole lot of truth, but if there's not a practical application of faith behind it that causes me to say, I'm going to step out on the water where Jesus is, then all it is is a bunch of talk. We don't live what we preach. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. Here Peter is asking, think about it. He is asking to walk on water, something humanly, physically impossible to do. And he's asking the Lord for the ability to do it. Are you you getting that? But does our Bible not say that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? According to the power that worketh in us. Amen? We back away from prayers like that because most of the time we want to just stay safe in the ship. I might pray for that which seems plausible in my mind, but to ask God for the incredible. Now, we need to have the right motive, certainly, not to consume things upon our lust or for our own glory, but for His glory. But we might ask God for the thing that might be plausible, but to ask Him for the incredible so that He would be magnified and glorified, we just don't do it. Because we have little faith. This was a bold request, wasn't it? An impossible thing. But I think that you and I, many times, maybe just me, maybe I'm the only one, fail to ask God for the impossible, the incredible, 
because it's just not plausible, feasible in my mind. But what about asking to walk where Jesus is? That's what Peter did. To step out of the safety of the ship to walk on the water. We see the bold request. I want you to notice with me, secondly, Christ's invitation. This is interesting, too. Verse 29. Jesus' words. Just one. Come. Come. Verse 29 says, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Here's Christ's invitation. The door is now open for Peter's faith to be tested. He was invited by the Lord to walk where none but the feet of faith dare go. This is what the Christian life is really supposed to be about, though. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the Christian life is definitely a life of faith. The life of a New Testament church ought to be a life of faith. The Great Commission is a matter of faith. Christ didn't deny Peter an opportunity to test his faith. And the opportunity then to see the mighty power of God at work. We have the same invitation. We have the same invitation to walk with Christ on the deep, as it were, asking to do something seemingly impossible for His glory. The Great Commission, Lord, give us the ability to do it. Well, we better put some feet then to our faith after that. Or what about God working in someone's life to call them to the ministry, but they've got all of this other stuff in life going on, and the security of a job, and the security of this, and, and this life that I've built, and that means I've got to sell all that stuff off. I've got to quit my job, and I've got to operate in faith. Lord, I don't know how any of it's going to happen. But the Lord says, come. Come on. The Lord's saying the same thing to Plaquero Baptist Church. Come. Even out into the deep. Where only the feet of faith dare go. Listen, God wants us to walk a supernatural walk. That's what this was. When Peter walked on water, it was a supernatural walk. It certainly wasn't in his ability. It certainly wasn't in his strength. It was totally dependent on faith in the Lord's ability. But he put feet to it. Look at verse 29. Again, because in the second part of this verse, we see a successful venture. When Jesus said, come, he invited him. He tested his faith. And now Peter gets down out of the ship and he walks on water to go to Jesus. The seemingly impossible, friend, can be accomplished through faith in the word of Christ. The life of faith, here it is. The life of faith implies the complete abandonment of every source of earthly confidence. What was the source of earthly confidence for Peter? that boat. The life of faith in that moment was the abandonment 
of that source of confidence. Out of the ship. And you know what? It's out of self and on to trusting Christ and His Word. How would that have worked out for Peter to attempt his walk of faith and walk to the Lord while still hanging on to the side of the boat? He's not really going to get very far, is he? He's not really going to launch out. He's not really going to go to the Lord and walk where Christ walks while he's holding on to the boat. I remember as a little kid, I used to do this. Whenever we would go on vacation or something like that, I'd always love it when we'd stay at a motel because we'd want to stay at a place that had a pool, right? Every kid loves that. I used to hate staying there because I'd always have to sleep on the hard floor with the big family. The two beds that were in a motel room were all taken up with my parents and my sisters. I got the floor. Plus, my dad snored a lot, almost as bad as Brother Humphrey. I didn't sleep much. So the saving grace of it all was that this place had a pool, right? we got to stay at a place with a pool. And so we would do that. My dad would be gracious enough, and we get to stay at a place with a pool. Well, as a little kid, I want to go swimming. As a, but as a little kid, I didn't really know how to swim that well. But there was always something very intriguing about the deep end of the pool. Well, I can't go to the deep end uh, with, without holding on to something because I can't swim. But I always wanted to feel like I was in the deep end. So what I would do is I would hold on to the side of the pool and I'd work my way all the way around the pool till I got into the eight-foot section of the pool. And I'd be like, hey, Mom, look, I'm in the deep end. I'm all proud of myself because I'm in the deep end of the pool. Right? You follow what I'm saying, don't you? But I think we do that very thing when it comes to serving the Lord. When it comes to what we're doing for Christ, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to the Great Commission, we say, look what we're doing for the Lord. We're launching out into the deep. But the whole time we're really just hanging on to the side of the ship and never stepping out into real faith. Where there's an abandonment of all earthly resource, and we are totally and completely at the will and favor and power of our Savior. Well, Peter had a, a momentary failure in all of this. Look at verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Here Peter's faith is being tested. He's like, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Jesus says, come on, do it. And he begins to step out in faith, and he, he begins to, uh, to, to do the thing that would be impossible to do. But all of a sudden, he started looking at the winds and the waves around him. He got his eyes off of Christ. And the moment that he did, he began to sink. I don't know what Peter's expectation was 
in all of this. Maybe he expected that he would step out in faith and he all of a sudden the waves would cease because he responded in faith. I don't know what the deal was. I don't know why he took his eyes off of Christ. But the moment that he did, he began to sink. And the fact is, without Christ, without our eyes on Him, the seemingly impossible is impossible. He had a momentary failure. But look at the last part of verse 30, because we find here that he earnestly prayed. He began to sink and he cried, saying, Lord, save me. He went to the right source again. He quickly got his eyes back on the Lord. And we see in verse 31 that immediately the Lord was there to lift him up and to save him. And I want you to notice, I want you to notice though Christ's words to Peter right after this. And here's where I want to spend the rest of our time this morning in conclusion of this message. Here's the application to the whole point of the message. It's where the rubber meets the road, if you will. I want you to look at verse 31 with me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? He's like, why did you doubt? Now, what we find here is a gentle rebuke from the Lord. A gentle rebuke. But the question is, why would Jesus say something like this to Peter? He just asked the impossible, and he accomplished the impossible through the power of Christ. And yet Jesus says, O oh, thou of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter's faith wasn't little compared to the other disciples. None of them asked for this. None of them followed. In fact, they were all probably like, oh, Peter's going to die. <laughs> this was a storm. These were fierce waves. He walked on water. His faith wasn't little, and yet Jesus said it was, even after asking the seemingly impossible and seeing it accomplished. Why would Jesus say something like that to Peter? Well, perhaps the reason is, is because Jesus expected more out of Peter. If you study the Gospels over and over and over again, we see Jesus saying the same kind of thing to his disciples. Oh, ye of little faith. Why? Well, the reason was often because they soon forgot the miracles that they were a part of. They soon forgot the power of of Christ that they had witnessed. They soon forgot the impression. And you notice the impression again that, that, that they got when, when, when they came back to the boat. All of them said, you are the Son of God. But they already knew that. But they soon forgot. What happened? What happened right before this? Straightway. Straightway after the feeding of the 20-plus thousand people, Jesus told them to get in the boat and go. They just witnessed Jesus perform an impossible thing. If you read through 
Matthew chapter 8. You find miracle after miracle after miracle in Matthew chapter 8. In fact, in Matthew 8, that's when Jesus calmed the storm. The tempest was still. He said, peace, be still. Boom, the water was flat and calm. Who can do that? But God only. They were a part of that. They saw all those things. And so when Peter asked the impossible, it was based on something. It was based on the fact that he understood and knew Christ had the power. Otherwise, he wouldn't have asked it in the first place. And then he did it. And then he faltered because he took his eyes off of Christ. But he called back to Christ. And, 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 and Jesus in, implies and indicates that Peter had some doubt in the moment. Even after he asked to do the impossible thing. So what am I saying? Well, here's the application. Here's the conclusion. I think Christ is saying the same thing to us today. Oh, ye of little faith. Because he expects more out of us. I wonder if we operate on the premise of faith, but really we're still hanging on to the side of the ship. We operate on the premise of faith. Oh, we're supposed to live by faith. Here's what we're supposed to do in the Great Commission. Here's what we're supposed to be doing. We operate on the premise of faith, but we're really still holding on to the side of the boat. Look what we're doing for the Lord in the name of faith. We've got faith promise missions. We give in the name of faith. We promise a certain amount, and we're thrilled when we reach that promise. But why not ask the Lord to enable us to do twice what we do? We rejoice in someone being saved. We rejoice in our baptistry waters being stirred two times in the last month or two. But what about asking the Lord to add five new families to the church in this next year? Oh, well, that's, that's impossible. There's my point. We don't ask the Lord for the impossible thing that, in my mind. I think we need to reevaluate our situation. Do we really believe God is the God of the impossible? Do we really believe that this is what the Lord has commanded us to do, to preach the gospel to every creature, to reproduce ourselves as a New Testament church? Do we really believe that? If so, then why don't we test it? Why don't we prove it? Is our faith growing? Are we willing to let go of the side of the ship and get into the deep where we've got nothing else but to trust in the Lord? We were out blueberry picking yesterday. And I'm sitting in a blueberry patch, baking in the sun. It was hot. I'm getting sweaty, getting dirty. I'm like looking at my arms like, who thought blueberry picking could be so dirty? I'm all alone. Other people are out 
doing their thing, blueberry picking somewhere else. And I'm just thinking about this message. I'm thinking about life. I'm thinking about a lot of things. You can do that when you're alone. And I find myself thinking on these principles of faith. And then I'm also finding myself saying, how do you actually apply that in your life? What are you doing that proves that you believe that these principles are real? And I start pondering, thinking. And what I'm discovering is that actually I've got a lot of anxiety. I've got a lot of fear inside over, over just things that are that are really, really meaningless things. And I'm discovering that I'm actually not really living by faith. Because if I was, <laughs> I wouldn't be doubting. I wouldn't be looking at the storm. I wouldn't be looking at the waves. My eyes would be fixed on Christ. And I thought, we operate on the premise of faith, but we don't really want to get out where Christ is walking on the deep because we want to keep holding on to those sources of strength and comfort. Are we willing to ask the Lord for the impossible? and believe that he'll accomplish it. I mean, like I said before, you kind of get sneers, or you kind of get like, okay, kind of attitudes. And This is what we need to do. Christ commanded us to preach the gospel to every creature. That's every creature. That includes those across the world. It includes those in our neighborhood, and it includes those in our state. But when it gets hard, and when it looks impossible, well, we just don't really get on board with that. I'm not going to pray about that. We'll talk a lot of talk of all that we're supposed to be doing. Right? Listen, I believe God expects more of me because of all that he's shown me, all that he's done for me. He's proven himself over and over and over again. Why should I doubt him? He expects more of us, even asking the impossible of God that he would do it. But I wonder if the Lord is saying to us, oh, ye of little faith. Let's look at just two passages of scripture and I'll be done. Jeremiah chapter 32. I just don't want to be that anymore. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. And there is nothing too hard for thee. Look at verse 27. 
Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? There's nothing too hard for him, especially if he's the one who said, I'm with you. I'll give you the power to do it. So we need to put some feet then to that faith. That statement of the Lord, I am with you, implies that we need to believe him. Amen? And then actually do. Look at Matthew chapter 19. You might have someone in your life that needs the gospel. You've been afraid. You've been fearful. Not sure how they'll respond. And you've been waiting, debating, holding off, procrastinating. Put some feet to the faith. Jesus says, come on. Witness to that person. Just do it by the power of God. Do it as he commanded to do. Write that letter. Make that phone call. Say those words to the coworker. Just do it. And see what God might do. Matthew 19, in verse 26. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, I'm in chapter 18, sorry. Verse 26, And Jesus beheld him and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Do we believe that? We say we do. Well, who's willing to step out onto the waves and try it? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd use your word to challenge us. And the Spirit of God can make direct application in particular lives. Lord, I've, I know how you've corrected me and reminded me and instructed me. And Lord, I know that you can do the same in every particular heart. Lord, I pray that you would work in us that great work of God. Cause us to live by faith, to not doubt but, Lord, to step out on the waves, the relinquishing of all earthly sources of stability, fully trusting in you alone. Lord, be willing to dare to ask and do the thing that's only possible with you. Lord, use this church. Lord, raise men up to preach the gospel. Lord, allow us to reproduce ourselves again. For the individual, Lord, may they have the faith to trust you to step out to speak, to be a witness for Christ, come what may. Lord, to be able to live in real faith, not just on the premise of faith. But Father, I pray that you would 
work that work in us, Lord, that we could truly see the hand of God, the power of God at work in our life, on our behalf, to do things for Christ that are impossible to do with men. In Jesus' name, amen.